0: As an entrepreneur, you understand the importance of protecting your business. After all, you've worked so hard to build it. As a proud partner of Startup Canada, TrueShield Insurance understands the startup community's culture and that the insurance needs of every startup are as unique as the brilliant entrepreneurs behind them. Protect your startup with insurance starting from $29 per month. Visit TrueShield.ca today. Underwritten by Northbridge General Insurance Corporation. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today.
1: Welcome to Startup Newsweek, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Cyprian Shalankiewicz, and today is July 26, 2016. In the news this week, virtual reality comes in the form of a pop-up shop in Toronto. Three grads from Queen's University are the first in North America to launch a VR pop-up, which features three movies guests can choose from, watching via Samsung virtual reality gear. The winners of the 2015 Startup Canada Award for Innovation, ExcelRx, are part of a group of organizations leading the health tech kick in BC. Three health startups were selected to participate in a 12-month program, providing them with workshops, mentorship, and support. A huge congratulations to Startup Toronto for reaching 2,500 followers on Twitter. Startup Toronto has multiple events every month. Make sure you check them out at StartupToronto.org. Samsung TV will soon be using a Canadian startup marketing and advertising software. Adgear, an online advertising company based out of Montreal, was acquired by Samsung last week and will run as an independent subsidiary of Samsung Electronics Canada. Last month, Startup Canada announced the former mayor of Waterloo, Brenda Halloran, as the chair of its board of directors. Halloran joins incoming board directors Tony Lacavera, founder and chairman of Global Live Holdings, and Jeff Cates, president of Intuit Canada and former Apple executive. And registrations are now open for the 2016 Startup Canada Regional Awards Ceremonies. We're traveling to six different cities across Canada to celebrate those demonstrating outstanding achievement in Canadian entrepreneurship. Register for an event near you at startupaward.ca forward slash events. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back To Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network, uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off, that's right, 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.quickbooks.ca Forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store? Then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect, to support, mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just thrilled to have as our guest today, crowdfunding, marketing, and manufacturing genius, Victor Grabowski. This Victor is behind the famous Forever Spin spinning tops, which had $1.5 million in sales in 2014 after raising $130,000 on its first Kickstarter campaign. Most recently, Forever Spin was featured on CBC Dragon's Den to raise funding for global expansion Today, we're going to chat about crowdfunding, marketing, manufacturing, and hey, even better, we're going to talk about starting up so young. Victor is a recent graduate from Waterloo. We will learn how he's taking advantage of the startup community and his tips for startup success. Welcome to the show, Victor.
3: Hello, Rivers. It's very nice to be speaking with you today. I'm very excited.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Us too. I just, uh, I loved reading your bio and learning about your journey. And I know that our guests are going to feel the same way after, uh, after we finish this great conversation. So look, you've only recently graduated from, uh, from university, uh, but you've already had a few startups on, on the go. Can you, can you tell us about your path to entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, how were you, how were you able to start at such a, I'm not going to say a young age because you're actually old compared to a four-year-old, but, uh, Relatively speaking, from a career perspective, you've had uh, you've had a good jump on uh, on the entrepreneurship journey.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you a bit about my backstory. And actually, for this, I got to jump all the way back to when I was about eleven years old.
2: <laughs> oh, not four. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, certainly not four years old. And that's when I started cutting lawns with okay. one of my friends. But that that aside, that was just a little thing that I was doing. It's something that was exciting to learn about supply and demand, right? Uh, <laughs> going door-to-door yeah. door and <laughs> really establishing all these different practices and different knowledge bases as young as I could. But uh, <laughs> that, that aside, going into university, I, I ended up studying business and computer science. It's a double major offered by Waterloo and Wilfrid Laurier University, respectively. And there, uh, I was actually enrolled in the co-op program. And going through co-op, uh, I had a few job placements and through them, I really found out that I wanted to start something on my own rather than work for somebody else. And, and going through more of the computer science side of my degree and of my education, working in software, working in web development and mobile development, that's where I really decided to push away from that and, and really get into something that I wanted to create. And, and that's how it all began. Wow. So really, it uh, it's the foundation of my university career of of my education and through my co-ops and I'm very happy to be where I am right now but none of it could have been possible without that and and definitely it's a very good program and being enrolled in that co-op is something that allowed me to get a lot of perspective. It allowed me to hone in on what I want to do. And that's how it all started.
2: Yeah, that's a very cool answer. I I love it because I get asked that question a lot. You know, do you recommend going to school? I've got a master's in business and, uh, you know, been through similar journey that you have. And I get asked that question a lot and I always answer it the same way. It has never, ever hurt me once to have that education and uh, because of the experience connections and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, a man at your level of success, it's so cool to hear your reinforcement not that you can't start a business uh without going to university but uh, it's a nice reinforcement of of this of the value of that well look for those that are listening in and and new to the concept you know tell us all about crowdfunding and you know when when should an entrepreneur consider crowdfunding
3: so crowdfunding is is a fairly new concept it's been around for about six years and it's been not even in the mainstream but it's been recognized for about the last four to five years and that's primarily through platforms like kickstarter like indiegogo as well as some others that that are famous but essentially what crowdfunding is is where your community or whomever would then support you contributes to the funding and then the creation of whatever project you have whatever brand product idea software or concept and they do that in expectation of a return when you do finally achieve that launch when you get your items into production and essentially it's a it's a pre-ordering platform but really that's something that was different than than how it originally started so kickstarter it started as more of a donation platform where mm-hmm. you would just fund your fund your community project creators your your community entrepreneurs and really fund their vision and now it's kind of transition into this pre-sales platform into this innovation hub for new ideas for new products for new items and it's evolved into pre-sales and that's yeah. essentially what crowdfunding is.
2: So what you, what I hear has happened is it's been a transformation from from services, uh, uh, social connections, uh, to really be more of a product. Is there is there a, um, a still a market if I could say that in crowdfunding for for services? Because you specifically talked about products and and, and gadgets and so on. So uh, can you talk about services? Is that still a value?
3: It's certainly not as common as products are. It's something that's much more difficult to market and much more right. difficult to bring to your community, but it's something that's still very popular. And, and there are individuals that come up with new innovative ways to actually get their service out there and get the word out, or even with a new, completely new pricing structure or a new concept, a new abstract form of offering your service or whatever it is that you offer. And the place for crowdfunding, is incredibly innovative. It's incredibly new. And depending on what you do bring and depending on what you would like to crowdfund, there's certainly space for that and for services, for B2B, for for whatever you might want to offer.
2: Very cool. And I uh, just a, a quick note is that crowdfunding traditionally has been, there's not been equity involved with that process, but there are provinces across the country now that are allowing the crowdfunding platform to uh, to include uh, equity position. Am I right when I say that?
3: Yeah, that's correct, and that is is something that's changing. Um, It's already been implemented in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's happening in Canada, but Canada is undergoing a lot of conversations right now. There's a lot of legislature that needs to be looked over. There's a lot of things that need to be reviewed, the whole concept and and an understanding of its performance and what the impacts have already been in the United States. But it is all underway, and, and actually there's a crowdfunding summit in the beginning of March, I believe that's March 3rd, it's here in Toronto, where there's a lot of lawyers, a lot of accountants, a lot of the prominent project creators of the Kickstarter and the Indiegogo and the crowdfunding community—it's where they're getting together, and and a lot of that discussion is going to start and take place there.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I you know, I'm, uh, I, I've, I could imagine that even though they might not want to admit it, the banking system has got to be a little bit concerned about what that, what's happening in that arena. So uh, that's very cool. So, what sorts of products and, and services have you seen that have been the most successful on on platforms? platforms? platforms and you don't necessarily like to pick a product or two if you want to pick an industry it's really up to you
3: yeah so really what i see that stands out on that platform is really anything that's a it has to be innovative it has to be something that's cool or something that at least is portrayed as something very cool and very interesting and new but aside from that the items that succeed the most are ones that you as an individual would envision yourself using more frequently so, for instance, um, there have been a lot of wearable gadgets. There's been wearable tech that's succeeding greatly on Kickstarter, and you go go over the last little bit with, uh, for instance, the Bobax travel jacket with the Ravian heated mm. jacket. And there's some projects that that are very popular because they aren't really niche items. They're items that uh, are being. Funded through Kickstarter and funded through these crowdfunding platforms, simply due to the vast audience and large audience. But these are items that are very popular. They're very new and and very very practical as well. So there's a bit of a sense of practicality in in the items that succeed well. Right. But aside from that, there's no real potential. There's no nothing that can bound your potential on the platform. It, it is one of the highest visited websites on in all of the united states and all of canada and, cool. and the world actually so so your audience is enormous what you can dream you can accomplish through crowdfunding. And that's something that we've found and we've been lucky enough to have success with.
2: Yeah. We're going to get into talking about your, uh, your business here in a second. Um, but one of the key things that I think is noted here is practicality and uh, ease of understanding. If you make, it could be the most innovative product that's going to you know save the planet, but if people can't really wrap their heads around it, then they're not going to be able to connect with it. So from a marketing perspective, you know, you uh, you've approached crowdfunding as a, as a marketing and a manufacturing strategy. Strategy. can you first talk about that marketing piece um and you know what talk about your product that you're bringing to that space and uh, and how you used it as not only marketing but also as a, as a manufacturing strategy please
3: yeah absolutely and and really we're very different from most project creators on kickstarter it is something that that differentiates us is the fact that we have launched a third campaign now for the same product for forever spin and that's not something that's typically done but i can go into that uh, afterward yep. essentially what kickstarter allows the average project creator to do is get access to that enormous enormous audience and as i did mention it is one of the top 300 visited websites in the united states as you can imagine with a number that high You get all kinds of uh, individuals there. And really, as far as marketing goes and as far as (laughs) your market research goes, which is just as important as actually capturing your audience, is that once you do get access to that audience you'll also be able to get an affirmation of your product get uh, more insights into what you're hoping to create get more insights and feedback as to what could be improved about your project about your Mm. product about your service if it be a service and really with that information you can go back you can tailor your strategy to whomever you are looking to engage and go from there And, and iteratively really bring as much success and as much quality to what you have to offer as you can
2: is the um is is the end i mean kickstarter going to make money uh so if i just wanted to bring my product onto a kickstarter campaign to do research uh how do they make their money off of that or do they say sorry you gotta you gotta actually be raising some funds here
3: so Kickstarter has actually changed over the last year. Or so they did become a social enterprise. So there are very strict limits on what they will allow and what they won't allow. Mm-hmm. For example, subscriptions are typically not allowed since it's not something that can be enforceable.
0: Mm-hmm. For instance,
3: if if I pay a project creator $1,000 for a four-year-long subscription, that's not something that can foreseeably be enforced. It's not something that can be claimed or attributed to Kickstarter's fault if, if, for instance, that project creator didn't deliver. Now, aside from that, there's also a lot of other interesting things that Kickstarter does to protect their consumers. But as far as using the platform for creating something and, and really for launching and marketing something, the general and the basic criteria are that it's something that's new. It's and that that's actually about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, why did you choose Kickstarter over Indiegogo?
3: So Kickstarter, actually, we launched a, an initial campaign in mid-2013, and we, we got a lot of success there. But really, the biggest factor for us continuing to use Kickstarter is the fact that we have established a community right. on Kickstarter. Right. Um, there are benefits to using both platforms. For instance, the ability to track your audiences and really to analyze your audiences is much higher on Indiegogo than it is on Kickstarter. But that's just one of the differentiating factors. Kickstarter has a larger audience, whereas Indiegogo allows you to do more, to be more flexible, to really create your campaign as as fluid as, as possible. But really, what will be more successful for your project is something that you'll have to determine for yourself. But really, the reason that we did use Kickstarter and the reason that we continue to use Kickstarter is because we do have that native audience there. We have our community already supporting us, and we're very happy to be coming back uh, constantly for them.
2: That's a that's a good political answer you gave there, Victor. You gave everybody uh, kind of some love and they basically said to everybody, you'll have to figure it out yourself. They're both good. Good for you, man. I love it. So tell me, you talked about your campaigns. You're going into your third campaign. What's the difference? What's the what's the objective difference between uh, the first campaign and the third campaign? If there is one and if there isn't, why a third campaign to achieve the same thing?
3: Yeah, so essentially, I I was getting into this earlier and I'd love to explain to you, but essentially what's been going on is that we've been iteratively improving our product and we've been offering new items. And the reason we do this through Kickstarter is primarily for the exposure and for the community aspect of it. So essentially, to give you some feedback, our very first campaign launched in early 2014. Now, that campaign, it was just called Forever Spin, it was self-titled, and there we had a collection of 10 different spinning tops. They started out with five, and after stretch goals, there were an additional five that were added to the collection. Mm -hmm. But our first iteration of spinning tops was much smaller than the tops that you can find on our website today, that you can find on our Indiegogo and our Kickstarter campaign today. Now, with our Kickstarter campaign, we ended up securing funding. That first campaign raised about $130,000. And in its fulfillment process, in in our shipping and our actual fulfillment to our customers, to our backers, we got a lot of feedback. And this is something that we're very adamant about, is that all feedback is positive. And with that feedback, we really worked on refining our design. So in this particular case, a lot of our customers, a lot of our backers, they said that, hey, the top is a bit too small. Um, I can spin it fine, but if you had made the spindle just a bit longer, that's something that mm-hmm. would help a lot and it would be more ergonomic, it would be a much better experience for us. What we did there is we took the feedback from our customers, we took the feedback from our backers and from our community, and we went back to Kickstarter to launch a project for them. So as I, as I did mention, all of our projects and our efforts are inspired by our community. That's something that we're very happy to do and it's something that sets us apart. Yeah, very now cool. Those, those projects, um, they also, the second campaign, it had a much larger spinning top, which was one of the features. And then we actually added another five metals to our collection, which included black rhodium, white rhodium, rose gold, as, as well as some others. But those were all inspired by our backers. Now, what the goal was with this third campaign was essentially the same thing, just to another extent, to another iteration. This this last campaign, we had added an additional five medals to our collection. And these ones are, are ones that we're very, very excited about. The top kept the same size because we got no feedback for any changes that were required. So we had a community that was very happy. And... With those tops staying the same size, we are able to consistently and, and efficiently add more m- metals to our collection. We added the Damascus steel, the magnesium, the solid silver, and the black and white zirconium additions, which are, again, very highly requested. It's something that we're happy mm-hmm. to do for our community. And, and because of that, that's what drives our success. It's just the fact that we're very, very loyal, loyal to our community. We care about our backers, and there's never an individual that we're going to alienate or not at least try to accommodate.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. So I can imagine based on this this strategy, there'll be a fourth, a fifth, a seventh, and it's possibly a 21st campaign that you run through Kickstarter.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's not something that. Yeah, absolutely, and we haven't looked that far into the future. But our backers, they keep coming back to us with with their feedback, with their criticisms, and we do take everything in consideration. We do analyze all of their requests, all of their questions, and with our subsequent campaigns, for instance, there's already medals that we're, we're working on. There's different editions that we're working on that have been highly requested, highly desired, and there's not the, there's nothing that we can't do as far as imagination permits within the scope of what we do right on. so that that's also something that we can use as something that we can keep pushing
2: well i um, want to sorry go ahead
3: yeah another point is that a lot of our community they actually are familiar and and i guess more so comfortable um, exclusively with Kickstarter. So there's a lot of individuals that are scared to enter their credit card information online on just any website. There's a lot of people that are hesitant to, to give a, a personal phone call or call a 1-800 number. And for that reason, is just again just to connect with our community. That's why we keep going back to Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, I love it. Well, obviously they they would have support and so on. But we could go on a lot about this. And I so appreciate you giving us the insight. It's uh, we haven't had a, a guest talk at the uh, as intimately about crowdfunding as you have. And uh, and so I pre- I really appreciate your your insight. This, but I got to ask this question because I know it's on the audience. What gets you into the spinning top industry, let alone the business of selling these magnificent products?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question. That's a question I get asked all the time. I
2: bet. <laughs>
3: yeah. So so I will give you Political some. Political science, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I, was, um, I was working about three years ago. I was working with one of my current partners. And there, um, we were working on different projects. But essentially, we had met and we always had had conversed and had been talking about starting something of our own, about getting together and, and creating something special, creating something high quality, and, and really creating our own business and being able to venture out on our own, be responsible and the judge of our own success. So from there, um, we actually stopped working together. I had finished my co-op. This is back when I was still a student and my business partner, he quit his job at the time and and really went towards creating something. I followed up with him and and we started working on a software startup together. There's a few passion projects that we're very interested about and that we may revisit in the future. But from there, we, we quickly realized that we didn't have the capital required to sustain what we were doing especially in the mobile app space and the technology space where you have to have a ridiculous advertising budget, a ridiculous marketing budget to reach or sustain critical mass. There's a lot of things that go into it. And we realized that we didn't have the funding necessary to sustain our efforts to sustain our project and we started to explore avenues through which we could gain funding and and gain funding in more of an interesting way and an interesting method Mm -hmm. and there we stumbled across Kickstarter and crowdfunding in 2013 we had launched a project just to test out the waters really to get a sense of what we are capable of achieving and really gauge our capacity to succeed and we launched a project which raised about seven thousand dollars over over the course of 30 days now that's actually a fairly successful project it was profitable over that time but more than that it it allowed us to get that information to really get a sense of how the community interacts with what you create how the community interacts with how you interact with them um, and a lot of these other factors and from there we just decided to Take another crack at it, see what we could do. And we were brainstorming what we could do, what we could create. And in that brainstorming session, it was a very, very long one. We (laughs) yeah, it was incredibly long. We had about 50 different ideas. We had 50 viable ideas, 50 feasible (laughs) ideas that that could have all replaced this pinning top. Had something changed. Yeah, had something changed, we would have uh ended up. Doing doing one of those things instead of this, but yes. we we decided uh, on creating a spinning top. And there was a few factors and and a few criteria, a few very important criteria that we had. And one of them was very high quality. The other was uh, excellence and just magic that you bring back into an individual's life. But we ended up deciding on the spinning top. Launched that Kickstarter campaign, that first Kickstarter campaign in two thousand fourteen early 2014, raised $130,000 and went to fulfill it. And from there on, we just kind of stuck with it and, and it's something that i'm very happy to be doing right now yeah. something that my partners are very happy to be doing right now and
2: how many partners so do you the have? story goes i have two partners yeah very cool um, um just to thing. another I, I remember i told you before this started we might just segue off and do another topic but i'm sure this is uh, you know some interesting questions for our listeners um what's the most amount of spinning tops that one individual has bought from you folks
3: that's that is a a very interesting question from our first campaign, I actually can't recall um, We did have a few people that were very very excited about their tops and and really anyone that does buy a lot of tops, they buy them in the hopes of of giving them out to their friends to their family et cetera mm. et cetera mm. but from our our second campaign, there's an individual that bought twenty nine tops and then and just our very recent campaign, which finished in in middle of January. There's a person that purchased 37 spinning tops.
2: 37, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. That is so cool. Well, look, uh, Victor, tell me about you. the, you know, the manufacturer. we've kind of talked about the marketing side of it. And obviously there's an emotional attachment. There's a uh, the connection to the past. Uh, you know, my dad's a big train guy, for example. And, you know, he's 77 years old and they still trains make him connect with his heart and his childhood. And I'm sure this is part of your your marketing message but you get a manufacturer all of these uh, all of these products where do you begin to source your product and you know for what you can tell us because the, the, I, I keep what goes through my mind is the willy wonka chocolate factory for some reason and there's this mystery behind how this this uh, great company is producing these magical products so what you can tell us where do you begin sourcing and you know what's your manufacturing process like
3: yeah, absolutely. And, and really going back, it all comes back to us brainstorming everything that we had at the time when we were looking at what we were going to launch next, what we were going to do. And just getting back to it, our biggest criteria was that whatever we do release, it's incredibly high quality. And really the best way to ensure that is that um, manufacturing is done domestically. That uh, your materials, you're able to inspect them and inspect them reliably. So, given that our first campaign, we ended up doing all the manufacturing in Canada, and we do to this day. But all the manufacturing was done in Canada. Uh, the the very large majority of our materials came from within Canada as well, and it's something that we are very happy to continue today. So, basically, um, in looking for a manufacturer, it's a very very long search, and in, in finally deciding to. Big tops ourselves it's also something that uh, isn't, <laughs> isn't decided without proper thought without proper diligence and and everything but really just the very highest quality is what was the standard for us we wouldn't mm-hmm. accept any anything less and for that reason we decided to do our manufacturing in canada source some materials in canada and and so the story goes
2: that's fantastic. It really is uh I mean a, a, a great great conviction about uh quality because you could go anywhere in the world to have these produced. What's the what's the what's the most expensive top that you have?
3: The most expensive top right now is mm. is our tungsten spinning top.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Not not many people know a lot about tungsten. What most people would know is that it makes up the filament in an incandescent light bulb. But aside from that, uh, tungsten is actually an incredibly valuable metal. Um, that's what does make it our most expensive top. And aside from that, it's actually one of the heaviest naturally occurring elements that, that exists. Right. So tungsten, our tungsten's is about uh, 95% pure. It's it's one of the purest alloys and one of the most high quality alloys that, that are available. And with that, our tungsten costs about $195. It does cost $195.
2: Right on. Right on. But if you love them like these guys do, that's a that's a good price. And I do want to ask you, what's your favorite one before we end? So with the next question I had for you, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you obviously went through a big planning process, and and I would think, even though with all your success, that there were some assumptions that you made that didn't quite work out the way that you thought they were going to. Can you share with us one or two of those things that you assumed that you say, man, what was I thinking when I thought of that
3: yeah absolutely and and a lot of it does come down to planning and and as you did mention (laughs) that you do have to make assumptions in your planning stage and really identifying how your business is going to go how you're going to fulfill all your orders how you're going to do the manufacturing but one of one of our biggest mistakes and one of the biggest assumptions that we made was actually just undershooting the success of our second forever spin campaign Mm. The second Forever Spin campaign, it was expected to raise about $150,000, as did the first. And with that, um, that's how we forecast our delivery date, our expected delivery date. So what ended up happening is we had about 4,000 individuals join join our community, join our customer base and our amazing backer base. And from there, (laughs) that ended up in requiring us to create a lot more spinning tops for every material. Mm -hmm. So with one dedicated manufacturer, and we do have just one manufacturer for quality assurance purposes, we're ensuring that every top is as high quality as it can be. We had one machine running, and when you have to push the production of the stainless steel, due to having to create more titanium units, then you push the production of the nickel because there's more stainless steel units to, to create, and et cetera. It just creates a very long delay, and we under-delivered on our promise to deliver our backers spinning tops by some certain day. But that was our biggest mistake, and that's something that we've created a, an implementation plan for, we've created contingencies for with our subsequent campaign, and something that we're very happy to be doing correctly this time around.
2: You know, we've, uh, throughout our conversation with you, I don't know if you notice you're, do, you're doing this, but you're, you're giving little chuckles along the way. And uh, it's it's, it's it, one, it tells me you're enjoying your journey. And two, it uh, you know, you're even laughing at the, the challenges that you face and the way you address them. And uh, it's to keep a good positive attitude along the way. But the third thing is, is that you really, really enjoy doing what you're doing. And it's it's so cool to, uh, to hear that in your voice. Um what's uh you know tell us uh, as much as you've told this story a gazillion times too um tell us about the dragon's den and uh you know tell us about funding if it happened at all uh, and you kind of share with us that little story
3: yeah absolutely dragons there den. goes the laugh again
2: see <laughs> it's so cool i love it
3: i can't help myself sometimes. no sir I'm you sorry. keep
2: doing what you're doing
3: sure. dragon's den was an amazing experience so first and foremost i ended up auditioning in Waterloo, which is where my university town is, is which is where I went to school, where I studied, and I was very happy to do it there. But I had brought a few tops with me to the audition in Waterloo, and the producers, actually a few of them were late, but um, it was fine. I, I presented in front of my producers, and and they just really liked the spinning tops. It, <laughs> it created... Kind of a desire for them to bring it onto television, and, and really spinning tops are uh, are an item that would succeed far better on television than they, than they would on print and through traditional advertising sure. means. So on that merit, it's something that we're very happy to to have, and it's something that that definitely helped our case. But I presented in Waterloo at the first audition, and from there they loved it. We continued communication with our producer. I did, and from there they just let me know that you'll be. It, you'll be pitching between these days and these days, and you'll actually begin to meet the dragons. And I just got incredibly excited. I started preparing my pitch, preparing everything, and there were probably a thousand times that that I did recite my opening sixty seconds, only to find that I probably made a mistake in there. After watching it <laughs> and rewatching it, I, I'm just a super critical person. And, and in right. retrospect, there's a lot of things that I did wrong, which I can now learn from. But definitely didn't help that the night before. I, I hadn't slept that much. Uh, it, is, it is very nerve-wracking. It's, it's your- very difficult to be up there, at least to prepare to be up there. And that's something that uh, people say I handled with grace. But again, I'm I'm very self-conscious. I'm very self-critical. So I don't personally agree, but uh, definitely the, the experience was absolutely amazing. Um, my producers helped me through the experience, um, through the preparation, through the actual day itself. And there's a lot going on that behind the scenes that I do have to thank them for and that they do really deserve a lot of respect. Um, now, the episode itself, it did go very well. There were a few instances which didn't go as planned which I'm not sure we're actually in the episode or not. They did cut about a 35-minute segment into Uh, seven minutes, which did leave a a lot in translation. But um, the the pitch did go very well. The Dragons love love the product. They love their spinning tops. And the result of that was securing two deals on air. The first was from Michelle and from Jim. Right. um, Or Joe, rather. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, From Michelle and Joe. And that was for... $300,000 $300,000 for 25%. The second deal was $300,000 for 20% with Mike Weckerly, and that's the deal that we took on air. Yeah, cool. Now, unfortunately the deal didn't go through due diligence. Right. Um, basically, we had wanted to explore the potential and the prospect of, of doing business across our multiple ventures. We do, We did have a lot going on at the time, outside of just Forever Spin and our spinning tops. And um, unfortunately, they wouldn't take a meeting. They were more interested in just that business alone. So Mm. it didn't pan out, but, but more so than the funding itself, it was just a very good experience. Of course.
2: Yeah, well, and that's uh, you know what's interesting is a lot of people don't realize that um, that there's the due diligence side. You know, the average the average viewer would uh, would say it's uh, okay, that's great, they got a deal, congratulations, which is super. But um, the the key is is that uh, there has to be that due diligence, and interesting enough, there's due diligence on both sides, uh, which you're referencing right now. So uh, so good for you. So tell me what's the what's the future hold for you in the NNM group, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the name of. Uh, I presume that's a holding company that you have for uh, for, uh, for your for your products.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that that's advertised right now. Yeah. We are <laughs> we are going through a bit of a transition period to get right. all of our all of our items, all of our products, and brands, under one roof. But uh, there are other projects that we're working on. We primarily launch through Kickstarter and through crowdfunding platforms because we are very familiar with that space. We do have a community that we're bringing products to that we're very happy to hear and to to bring their requests to life for um, aside from that uh, there's a lot going on with forever spin so yes. actually aside from working on our subsequent project we are actually we have i won 't say confirmed but we have a very good idea of what our next collection will include. There are a few metals that that some people are very very excited about there's some incredibly precious metals and and they 're very very cool. But outside of that, we're actually getting our collection in the schools. So what we have is uh, is a collection, which we call the Mini Metal Museum. (laughs) And we call it the Metal Museum because of its actual attributes that it can have for learning. So, for instance, I was explaining about tungsten. A lot of people don't know that tungsten is actually an incredibly heavy metal. It's one of the heaviest metals that's found in a natural state. So I'm going to venture a guess and say that you've never held a piece of solid tungsten in your hand at well, the same actually, time. Well, actually,
2: that's not true because, and, and because I wanted to tell you, my brother just got married, and if it makes sense, it was tungsten. But I think his wedding ring was tungsten.
3: All right, that, y- that's yep. very interesting. Yeah, that, it was
2: very. I've never seen it before, and so before then, I would have said you're absolutely correct. But uh, he, that's what he's got. It's uh, it's solid, man.
3: Yeah, and yeah. So actually, so tungsten, it does. It has a very similar weight to that of solid gold. So that I can imagine it would feel about the same on on your finger. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But (laughs) I guess I can give you another example. So (laughs) we we do have 18 different metals in our collection right now. So I can imagine that you've never held solid titanium and and solid bronze
2: in your hand at the same time. You got me
3: on that one. (laughs) So essentially what we're doing is we're we're bringing our collection or – Attempting to bring our collection to a lot of different schools and just introducing that experience, that learning experience to students and, and children nationwide. And that's something that we're very happy to be doing. Mm-hmm. It's something that's a much better experience from, from my personal opinion than would be created through learning through a textbook or learning through some, some PowerPoint or anything like that. Um, just bringing that tactile experience and bring the the children and, and the students an experience that they'll never forget is something that's incredibly important. Something that we're very excited about.
2: Well, the other thing that would be very cool, I'm sure the schools would be all over it because again, you are it's it, it, the ability to get the school system to agree to follow your 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 idea, your vision, your educational piece. I think is is a no brainer. But then you're tying in their childhood as part of that as, as part of that. Delivery it's uh, it's so so cool um victor you uh startup canada um who uh, who you've been wonderfully involved with and helping to support it's it's all about entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs to succeed as, as an entrepreneur yourself what's the one thing that would help you take your business to the next level that startup canada could help you with
3: it's definitely networking. Um, there's a lot of individuals that I know right right off the bat could significantly help my business, significantly help with evaluating the opportunities for growth, the capacity for growth and everything as such. But there's so many talented individuals that you can get access to, that you can introduce yourself to or get introduced to. As a result of being within that community, within Startup Canada, within Startup Grind, and there's a lot of different networks and entrepreneurship networks, but definitely Startup Canada is what is one of the most impressive ones.
2: Yeah, very is, very much is. So, and and on that note, uh, how can we find you guys and your amazing tops?
3: Our tops are actually on Indiegogo right now. They okay. are. This is the extension. Of our Kickstarter campaign, they're on Indiegogo for lower prices until the end of its funding period. Right uh, after that, you can find our spinning tops at ForeverSpin.com, and they'll always be there with our new collection being added within the next month and a half or so.
2: And what's your favorite top?
3: My favorite top is the titanium spinning top. <laughs> I have I have a long list of favorites, and <laughs> it seems to change on a week to week basis, but. The titanium has never been displaced from my favorites.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if you have kids in your life yet or if you're planning to, but man, are they ever going to have fun with you? <laughs> That's absolutely wonderful. Well, Victor, I, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been a real honor to have you here. And what I love about what you're doing is you're zagging uh, when everybody else zigs. You've taken a very traditional industry and brought it together in a very non-traditional way. And uh, congratulations on your success it's been a real real privilege to have you on your show uh, ladies and gentlemen this has been Victor Gavowski uh, he's the co-founder and VP of operations at the MNMM group which we know is all about the spinning top world thanks so much for joining us today my friend and, um, and I wish you continued success
3: thank you so much Roberts and it has been a pleasure speaking to you thank you
2: Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details and my name is rivers corbett i'm your host as always i invite you to follow me on twitter at riverscorbett.com. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars. That's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out until next week i'm rivers corbett leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode what is a what is a startup community, and, and what's the what? Why does it even freaking matter to build something like this?
0: Yeah, so for me, like a, a startup community is really like a grassroots grassroots group of people, organizations, and that can be academic, government, not for profit, and companies who've come together um, to ha- and have the common goal to help entrepreneurs start and grow businesses in their regional locations in their communities. Um, and they do this by providing like valuable resources and connections um, that entrepreneurs actually need. So what that breaks down to and like why it's so valuable, why does it matter is, I mean, we've all heard the stats for entrepreneurs, whether it's high tech or whether it's a coffee shop. Um, most of these businesses don't, don't make it past their first year and they fail. And I think in part that's because a lot of people are trying things for the first time. And to be successful at anything, it's really what makes you successful is the experience you've had and the feelings and the learnings from that. And a lot of people don't have anything to reference Uh. um, when starting something new. So to provide that community and that support um, is really important so they can learn from others who do have those experiences. And so it helps them be more successful in the long run
2: yeah very cool well, when I asked the question it was a stupid question on my part because I know the value <laughs> oh, of community. You <laughs> but you know it's I always I always regard it as finally we have a clubhouse mm-hmm. where, where our own people get to hang out exactly. and, uh, and provide them with of course it's no more than just a social connection but it's very much a professional connection